Welcome to In the Queue, a podcast presented by Messick, Lauer, and Smith. From QSOs to regulatory concerns and everything in between, we'll talk about relevant topics, trends, and information in the credit union industry and how they can affect your credit union or QSO. Today, we're going to have Brian Lauer on the podcast, a partner at Messick, Lauer, and Smith. The NCUA recently proposed a new rule that changes the regulations around loan participations and eligible obligations for credit unions. Uh, So we're going to talk a lot about that new proposal today, along with a QSO lending rule that actually became effective at the end of November. So Brian has a lot of interesting insight into the intersection of both rules and how they might apply to your credit union or QSO. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with Brian. Brian, welcome to In the Queue. How are you today? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, Doing pretty well. Happy New Year. Hopefully everything's uh, going well for everybody out there. Yeah, happy New Year indeed. Um, I think that was a good Curb Your Enthusiasm episode uh, a few years back, right? With when is the the cutoff date for Happy New Year? I I think we're still well within that window, right? I feel like the first week satisfies that, right? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, Brian, um, we have you on the podcast today because... I uh, I informed you last week that I was out of the office, um, you know, spending time with family uh, during the holiday. And this um, lightning bolt, I think I described it, of a new regulation uh, was proposed by the NCUA that will have a um, pretty dramatic, I, I don't think I'm being dramatic by uh, classifying it like that, but impact on eligible obligations and loan participations. And um, I definitely wanted to have the opportunity to bring you on the podcast to talk through what this rule looks like. Uh, We know the NCUA also proposed, and um, there's now a new rule that was effective towards the end of last year with regards to QSO lending. So um, we wanted the opportunity to bring you on the podcast today to kind of talk through both of those rules and the impact that it's going to have on both credit union and QSO lending. So... Um, first and foremost, for this new rule um, that the NCUA proposed about eligible obligations and loan participations, can you give us a brief overview as to what rule was proposed and, and kind of what stage that rule is currently in? Sure, sure. So before we get too deep into the weeds, though, I do want to say one thing, Mike, it's very important about sort of what you just let in with um There's two rules, very important to uh, the party industry that we are focused on. And I really want to applaud the uh, the NCUA board, specifically uh, board member Hood, who who led the charge on the CUSO rule uh, and and board member Hood and Vice Chairman Hopman, who who were certainly big forces in, in this new proposed rule as well. And as well as uh, uh, Chairman Harper for again being understanding the importance of this latest proposal um, and its effect on credit union's ability uh, to 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 work in the new environment. So, yeah, yeah. So and and it's you know it's important to remember that uh, these board members are not operating uh, or, or we don't want them to be operating in a vacuum and and so it's good to see that they're seeing the problems of the industry and trying to help solve them. Yeah, I was going to say, Brian, too, to follow up on that point there. Um, yeah, again, before we get into the specifics about these rules, why don't you give us kind of like a, 
you know, what what's going on in the industry right now that kind of prompted uh, these regulators to act? Yeah, so as, as a, that's a great point. I mean, none of this is meant to just be rules for the sake of rules, right? We're trying to right. solve problems. We're trying to create a situation where credit unions can can survive and thrive and grow and in the current environment. And what that current environment is, in my mind, is that a lot of lending is being conducted uh, or originated by financial technology companies. You know, it's not brand new to the industry. Um, it's been around for for quite some time now as a as a potential disruptor, if you will. Um, but of late, a lot of lending is being originated by our loans or being originated by financial technology companies. And so the effect that has on credit unions is that, you know, gone are the days that credit union members primarily are coming into a credit union branch to to get a loan. And instead, you know, they are in the, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, to purchase something or get funds for something. They're not necessarily shopping for a loan. And so the fintechs have figured out that we need to be where the bar potential borrower is, which is generally in the buying process of something. Um, and so that environment has created a situation where credit unions could potentially become disintermediated from their members and, and unable to actually help their members with the loans that they need. Uh, and so these, these two loans that we're going to talk about in a little more depth, I think, are, are attempts by the NCUA and good attempts by the NCUA to, uh, in fact, help credit unions to be to continue to be a part of their members' lives, uh, despite the fact that they may be going to a financial technology company to originate a loan. Right. No, that certainly makes sense, and and is a reality for the industry, credit unions involved, and and obviously their their members too. Um, so why don't we talk about this most recent rule that was proposed by the NCUA? Um, when was it published? in the Federal Register, because I know that that's important, right? Because there's there's currently a commentary period. And um, why don't you give us kind of an overview as to what was done in this rule that is different from the previous rule? Sure, yeah. So it, um, as you mentioned at the start, the rule was proposed at the board meeting at the end of December. Um, it was, the proposal was passed unanimously. Um, and in the, the rulemaking process for the NCUA and, and all federal agencies, there's a proposal and then a comment period wherein uh, uh, stakeholders can comment on that uh, rule. And then when the comment period ends, the, the agency will digest those comments, incorporate those comments as they see fit into a final rule, and then they'll pass a final rule somewhere down the road after that comment period ends. Uh, the comment period begins when the rule is published in the Federal Register, which was on December 30th. And in this instance, it's not the same every time, but in this instance, there is a 60-day comment period. So over the next 60 days, starting with December 30th, day of publication, um, hopefully we will receive, or the NCUA, excuse me, will receive uh, a whole lot of comments. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the, that the board knows and understands that what they're doing with this current proposal is incredibly important to the industry and 
and we want to applaud them. And then maybe, it, you know, as part of that comment, uh, you know, give them some uh, some guidance or some some thoughts and commentary from the industry perspective on on things we might tweak or change or even add to this rule to make it even better. Yeah, and I was going to say too. I, I I know I um want you to describe this rule in further depth, and I keep um you keep bringing up good points here that I wanted to touch on. Um, the importance that this particular uh, rule proposal, it does have a lot of open-ended commentary from the NCUA where they're looking for credit union input here. Um, so is that something that, uh, you know, because I know you're obviously in touch with a ton of credit unions that um, our firm is going to be helping, you know, with regards to if they have any sort of questions about how the commentary process works. Is that something that um, credit unions can reach out to us for? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we will be putting together, you know, we we work as well with uh, NACUSO. And I do want to take a moment just to say that uh, for both the rules we're going to discuss over the next um, several minutes that uh, NACUSO was um, instrumental in, in getting these rules proposed and one finalized and hopefully this one finalized as well. And with our uh, involvement, involvement with NACUSO, we'll absolutely be putting out um, a sample comment letter and helping folks to uh, craft or answer questions with regard to any comment they're making on the rule. Um, and, you know, I keep, I don't want to make it seem like I'm avoiding the question about what is so good about the rule. So let me just jump <laughs> right in and, and take care of that, right? Yeah, uh, sounds good. You know, we're here we are 10 minutes in and nobody knows what the rule is. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> But so, so I, I would break down in my mind the importance of this rule into into a few simple parts. One is that uh, the NCUA is officially defining uh, indirect lending. Um, in the past, indirect lending was a small little piece of the eligible obligation rule, the loan sale rule, and then it had a lot of uh, Office of General Counsel opinion letters around you know, determining and, and interpreting what the indirect lending is and how it should work. And so this is really an opportunity for the NCUA to truly codify indirect lending as an aspect of our of our lending uh, industry. Um, so I think that's good. It's not really changing the law per se, although words matter. We want to look at those words, but it's but it's clarifying and codifying what was already uh, essentially um, um, standard uh, law. In addition to that, the loan participation rule is being amended in order to clarify again and codify what was already currently the law on loan participations with regard to indirect lending. And this really relates to this idea of an originating lender and what right. is an originating lender. Um, and we can get into that in more detail uh, down the road, but really it's not changing the rules in the loan participation space either. It's just really more clarifying and codifying what was already part of some Office General Counsel opinions as well. Um, the third area, which I think is the really the most lightning in the bottle, if you will, uh, to use your analogy, Mike, right. uh, is the is the loan sale regulation. It's called eligible obligations in the in the regs, but it's really this loan sale regulation. And what they've done with this proposal, and if finalized, we can talk about the implications of that. But what they've done is they've said there used to be a five percent cap on all loan purchases from uh, purchases 
from other parties, right? And so that was 5% of your assets could, was all you could hold in loan purchases. They're clarifying that under the, the Federal Credit Union Act, that doesn't necessarily apply to all loan purchases. It really is meant to only apply to purchases of notes from liquidating credit unions. So wonky as that sounds, what it really means is, is that they've eliminated the 5% cap on loan purchases from third parties. In addition to that, there's been a long time exception to the membership requirement for loan sales. So general rule is you can only purchase your own member loans, right? You can't purchase non-member loans. Right. However, there's been a long time exception with lots of limitations, prescriptive limitations around the essentially the sophistication and 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 viability of a credit union that would allow that credit union to purchase loans without regard to membership if they're purchasing them from another federally insured credit union. What they've done is eliminated all the prescriptive aspects of those, um, those limitations. So now any credit union that is federally insured can purchase loans without regard to membership from another federally insured credit union. It really loosens up and greases the wheels of transactions and the movement of assets between credit unions, between the industry, which I think is going to be a fantastic way for us to uh, to open up the ability for credit unions to not only get more loans, but share those loans within the industry and spread risk within the industry. No, yeah, I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and that's definitely an area that I do want to talk uh, a little bit more specifically about too. Um, but specifically, you did mention there, Brian, that there were these prescriptive limitations with regards to the purchase of eligible obligations. Uh, it's my understanding in taking a look at the rule again, as it's currently proposed, um, that those are being replaced with a different type of approach from the NCUA. Can you, can you briefly describe that too? Yeah. You know, this is this notion that, and it and it started actually several years ago with the with the member business lending right. rules and the and the amendments to the member business lending rules. Um, in, in in relation to that rule, there was there was a change from all of these prescriptive sort of the loan must meet these uh, underwriting criteria and 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 the like, and they essentially moved away from that and said, look, credit unions can set their own policies on how they're going to um, underwrite loans and make loans to their members, but that those policies need to be a, a developed and, a, and, and, uh, and created internally to meet the risks and, and mitigate risks uh, for the institution. And they're really taking the same approach here. They're simply saying, you know, why were we having this 5% cap on the purchase of loans when we should instead be requiring credit unions to set their own concentration limits on loan type, loan geography, um, loan size and, and portfolio size? All of those kinds of things can be managed by a credit union, especially the more sophisticated credit unions out there with large balance sheets. You know, it was silly to sort of just have this prescriptive way of saying, no, these loans can only be in this area. And then they said, you know, again, in this rule, this rule proposal, well, I think it's a bit wonky and we'll have some comments mm -hmm. on it for sure, but I don't think we need to discuss it in detail here. But they do go into some um, to some length in discussing in the new rule the idea that 
credit unions should have policies in place and should have ways in which they are managing the risk of buying loans. It's not just, you know, buy loans and buy loans because they're assets and they have an interest, you know, an interest yield for your balance sheet. But instead, you should be having policies in place that assess the risk and mitigate it. Right. No, that's that's definitely the uh, the message that I took from um, you know this proposal as well. Uh, so obviously, we want to emphasize the commentary period that you mentioned. You know, you sixty days uh, for credit unions. So please uh, comment on this rule. The NCUA certainly wants to hear from you in this area. And then to follow up to Brian, you know, based on what you just said there too, it, it sounds like it would be a good time to check policies and procedures um, so that you can possibly make. Um, you know, revisions to those policies once this rule becomes final. Um, so, Brian, there's there's a whole lot to <laughs> unravel with that particular rule, but we did mention that there is another rule that the NCUA has already proposed, and it became effective at the end of November last year. And the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast to, to talk about these two rules in conjunction is this also deals with lending. So can you uh, discuss briefly what this rule uh, and again, just to kind of separate these two, this rule is already effective. It became effective at the end of last year. Yeah, so uh, the rule you're talking about is the QSO amendments or amendments to the QSO rule, um, Part 712 for NCUA uh, regs. And what the NCUA did there, and again, at the top of the podcast I talked about, you know, I want to applaud them for doing this. You know, we've written to QSO and, and Messiclauer and Smith have been pushing for a long time to uh, have the NCUA open up the lending authorities for QSOs. You know, for a long time, QSOs were able to originate prescriptively in, in certain loan types, like student loans, mortgage loans, business loans, and credit card loans. And it made no sense why those were delineated out uh, as opposed to just all loans. And so we were successful in having the NCUA modify and amend that uh, QSO rule to allow for QSOs to originate all types of loans that credit unions can originate. And the way these two rule, that rule that's finalized and this new proposed rule, the way they will work together is, is, is really important, right? When we were advocating for the pat for the for the um, amendments to the QSO rule, we wanted to we wanted those amendments in order to enable credit unions to have better access to lending markets that they might not have access to today. You know, um, we look at like auto was not one of the loans that QSOs could originate. Well, there's a real opportunity for credit unions to collaborate and get access to some of the national auto lending markets, right? And, you know, whether that be, you know, developing a relationship with Carvana or Costco or Tesla, or maybe even just a more uh, larger regional dealership base. And QSOs are a great opportunity to allow credit unions to do that and not have the third party lender out there or the third party seller in this instance, retailer, have to deal with hundreds of different credit unions. And instead, they can deal with one QSO as the originator, and then that QSO can work to facilitate getting loans onto the books of credit unions. Well, that's great. And that is really what we were advocating with that first rule. But what this proposal now does is this proposal will now make it more efficient for QSOs as the originator in that example to then sell the loan to the credit union that has the borrower as a member. 
And so the eligible obligation rule changes, those changes around the 5% cap, as well as those changes around um, uh, the, the, um, the exception to membership requirements. Those are two rule, two aspects of this rule that are going to enable Incusos to be the originator of a loan with a large marketplace. Maybe it's a fintech, as we were discussing at the top of the hour, right? Maybe it's an unsecured right. lender like a fintech um, making you know small dollar loans or or even larger dollar loans, whatever the case may be, or a, a buy now pay later fintech of some kind like that, right? And those fintechs are going to be able to originate the loan like they are today, and we're not going to stop them from doing that. But then the CUSO can develop a relationship wherein it buys that loan from the fintech. And then the CUSO is not stuck having to hold that loan for the life of the loan either because that's not what it wants to do. It can then sell that loan to a credit union downstream. And then because of these rules, that credit union can also then sell parts of that loan out to other credit unions to spread the risk and spread the reward of having more loans on their books. So that was a lot to walk through and, and, <clears throat> and certainly can reach out to us to discuss in more detail the advantages of this. But ultimately, this is going to make this this new proposal is going to be instrumental in allowing credit unions and for their part, QSOs to have better access to financial technology originated loans, dealership originated loans, retailer originated loans, POS loans, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And and Brian, I, uh, I'd i be remiss if I, uh, we, when we were originally discussing podcast ideas, you know, we were originally going to talk about just this QSO lending rule. So timing is everything with regards to <laughs> yeah. this particular area. I'm, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to have you on to kind of work through some of the intricacies of each rule individually, and then also how they tie together in new and exciting ways, right? I think you Absolutely. outlined, yeah, I think you outlined some very exciting opportunities for credit unions, for CUSOs in this space. Um, you know, I just want to reiterate that the first rule we discussed is in the commentary, um, uh, it's in the commentary uh, status right now, um, so it is not finalized. So uh, look forward to more information from Brian. Look forward to more information from the QSO. Um, and again, Brian, I can't thank you enough for, for being on to walk us through uh, all these different scenarios with these new rules. Pretty exciting times. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it just goes to show that we'll probably be doing another podcast sometime soon on the new rules coming out next too, right? We keep advocating and we keep pushing for the rules that'll help the industry and, and hopefully we can continue to be successful. For sure. Well, again, Brian, thank you so much for your time and uh, we'll be in touch. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. That's it for this episode of In The Queue. Thank you again to Brian Lauer for walking us through the um, different rules. Uh, one that has uh, been uh, made effective by the NCUA and, and one that is currently in the commentary phase. I thought it was a very interesting conversation that'll be helpful for all of our credit union and CUSO listeners. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast feed to receive the latest news and information in the world of credit unions and CUSOs. I'm Mike Heller. Thank you again for your time today. Until next time.